0: hello welcome to concept chemistry i'm mike and uh that happens to be mike so I'm mike uh, here we are and this is our first podcast there might be a few speed bumps so we'll just try I'm to get through the be best speed we can oh uh, yeah
1: <laughs> definitely going to be fucking speed bumps man i know that for a fact this shit is not perfect well all I mean, right so what, what where are we at in the the Sphere right now. I know that I'm coming off of watching UFC 252. Oh, yeah. Okay. And... It's a good one. Yeah, I didn't catch it when it was live. I had to get the pay-per-view <laughs> later. And I watched most of the fights, really good fights all the way through most part. But what I want to really talk about is the Stipe versus DC fight, obviously. The main card, the main fight of the night. Yep. Now, I don't know if it was a round one that this happened in, but I remember DC did eye poke... Stipe, yeah, I and think that was the, the first round. Cool. Yeah, Joe and everybody was talking about how like DC knew that he shouldn't have done that because he's already been warned before in previous fights about eye pokes and shit. Then lo and behold, what round three or four? I think it was round three. DC gets a really giant eye poke to where he fights the rest of the fight half blind. He can't see out of one eye.
0: Yeah, I think that was and round that got, three or something. Yeah, around that got
1: me, yeah. That got me thinking. You know, I don't know much about fighting. I don't know much about you know martial arts and, and most of the stuff I'm not versed in. But what I do think would be a cool thing. I don't know much about like equipment and how they train and stuff. But I was just, I had this random thought where I was like, what if there was like a sparring glove you could use that was like. Uh, memory, fiber, nanofiber, I don't know what you want to call it, but maybe, like, when you layer, like, you're going in for a jab, your hand's like this, you know? Yeah. And then when you're going for an eye poke, it's because your fingers are all like this. So if you're wearing, like, a sparring glove that, like, tightens around your hand when it actually gets flat, Mm -hmm. you're going to know by muscle memory not to make those movements as you're going in for your practice jabs. So you're going to have that in the back of your mind that, okay, I can't do this because every time I do this, the glove tightens. And if you practice that way for a year or two, you'll have muscle memory. You'll stop making those movements. And then when you get into an actual fight, you're obviously not going to use that training glove, you know patent pending, whatever the fuck idea I'm coming up with. I'm sure I'm not the first one to come up with that idea. But... I think it might be a good idea to come up with some kind of training glove that will stop people from, you know, being so easy to doing eye pokes. Because I've watched plenty of fights with you recently, and there's always an eye poke. There's always an eye poke. Doesn't matter what night it is. Doesn't matter who's fighting. There's an eye poke. And I think there's a way around it. And I think it would be better for the viewer. I think it would be better for the league. You know, and and this is coming from someone who doesn't watch too much fighting, doesn't know much about. You know, it's this also stuff. better I, for I the fighter.
0: You know, you don't want guys getting their eyes poked. I mean, it's awful to look yeah. at. Yeah. You know, I mean, and the I sympathy I mean, pains are right in your eye, and you can. Feel and, it. and when
1: that, when when the eye pokes happen, you got to stop the fight. You're you're you know you're stopping that. You know, those good moments a lot of times. Well, so I'm thinking maybe I don't know. I don't know how material works. I'm you know I don't know a lot about fabrics and shit, but I think there might be some kind of training glove that would not be restrictive when you're in. You know when you have a balled-up fist, but maybe when you level it out to where it goes to the eye poke, it'll tighten up and it'll give you some kind of sensory understanding of, oh, I've made a technical mistake and I need... and the more you make those mistakes, the more you'll recognize it and then in muscle memory you'll stop putting your hand out like this. Does that make sense? I
0: I mean, it absolutely makes sense and there's a couple of things with the gloves themselves, so we'll go over the gloves themselves first. So the problems with the gloves themselves is first in the design. The design of them, it was basically a prototype that nobody had tested, nobody had really done that much with. Somebody just showed up from a tailor with these gloves at the start of the UFC and they haven't been changed that much since. Now there's other organizations like Pride and One and Bellator who have different gloves that when you have your hand out, like this, It'll so, instead of like being able to have your hand flat on a table, the way that the glove's constructed is it makes your hand claw down, you know, like a cat's claws go.
1: Yeah. It sort of puts your yeah. fingers into that shape,
0: and that's like, what's like going on. Like a curve. On. And you you can tell when a eye poke is more egregious because somebody will flick the tips of their fingers out when they're punching. So instead of having a fist their fingers, will flick out. And that's really what we see between these two gentlemen. And the reason that this last fight took so long was because during their second fight, DC poked him in the eye. And when DC poked him in the eye... Stipe had to go get retinal repair surgery, so he was out for an entire year. That's why this fight took so long. So, so,
1: the, it's so this is like, a recurring problem.
0: It happened in the first fight too. That's one of the reasons people think. Yeah, they, that this DC is the trilogy, right? They they yeah. fought three times. Every three or every fight, and all three other fights, there has been an egregious eye poke. So, I mean, it's not just isolated to this fight. Which is why a lot of people don't feel sympathy for DC right now is because. You know, even when I was texting Justin, I was like, oh, man, DC can't complain about eye pokes. It's happened too many times in this fight. It's just everybody knows that it's he's been doing it to DC because that was the theme before. And now that it happened to him, it looks more even. But at the time it happened, a lot of people felt it was like karmic or something like that. And I'm not saying that he deserved it or whatever, but the universe works in that type of way sometimes, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know a lot more about it than I do. You know about more of the trilogy. You you follow these fights a lot more. I knew there was history because, you know, Joe is really good at catching people up on things like that really quickly. And I think he did make some mentions about the eye pokes before. And that's why when DC did the eye poke in the first round, he was like, oh, not this shit again. And it was his fault this time, you know? And it turns out he got eye poked again, and then he fucking fought half the fight blind. And let me say... For a guy who fucking got knocked out twice and didn't get the fight stopped, because it looked like he was knocked out almost twice. In
0: the second round, when DC was on top of him, it looked awful. It looked like DC was in complete prone position on his back. Um, angled yeah, on up his Against knee. the cage, and Steepace just laying and shots to his head. It looked really bad. That fight was going to get stopped there. You know, if yeah, the and for some
1: hit. reason, it wasn't stopped, and then he got eye-poked, which is really fucking bad. And then you know what mm-hmm. happened? The next thing is... And, he, he didn't even, he like, I remember until he was talking to his corner guys. You could hear every fucking thing they are saying because there's no goddamn crowd, you know. And he was saying, hey, did I go down? Did I go down? And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, man, you're good. And I don't necessarily know if he means, like, was I on my back? Or, you know, did it look bad to the judges? I don't know. Did he, he meant, not know he was he even rocked?
0: That, he meant that did I get hit so hard that I just flew to the ground. And I can see why he said that because when I rewatched that part, he was stumbling back towards the cage, and he tripped backwards. He didn't necessarily get dropped, but he just got into a scuffle, and then next thing he knew, he was on the ground. So he thought he might have got clipped harder than he did, and I think that bothered him, you know?
1: And I might be in the small percentile here with everything we're talking about, but honestly, seeing the things that DC went through in the middle of that fight, seeing the injuries that he sustained not being able to see... He fought really fucking well, dude. I was yeah. thinking about it going if I was in his position, I would throw in the towel and surrender, dude. I wouldn't have continued going. That dude is a monster. Well, yeah, he's... he didn't technically win, it went to decision and shit. But what I'm saying is like that dude fought well. There's nothing bad about that fight between either fighter.
0: Well he doesn't necessarily look that tough. He looks like a tubby dude. You know, he looks yeah, kind I, of like I think somebody out of
1: Steep Ace Corner called him Fat Man.
0: Well, he is, and DC will say that too. He's on Popeye's chicken commercials. I mean, he he embraces it. He's just that type of body, well, but he th- has explosive that... strength in his body. Well, He's that... very strong. He's.
1: What was funny to me is on, on Saturday, I told a mutual friend of ours that I was going to be watching the fights that night, and he asked me who was fighting. I said, Stipe versus DC. He asked me, you know... Who's going to win that fight? And I was also talking to you at the same time, and you said, like, you've seen both of them fight before. They both beat each other, so you didn't know what the outcome's going to be. It's like I any it would given be Steve Sunday. A,
0: I think I told well, you.
1: Well, I, and what, what you said is maybe it would have been severe, but it was pretty much like this That's first that you gave me was any given Sunday. Anybody could win in this matchup for sure. Because well, you see equally how close good. it was. But the thing was with, the, with our mutual friend. He's like, who do you think's going to win? I told him that what you said about, you know, it being very close and probably either one of them can win. And the one comment that I did add in was, well, DC's been on the commentator's desk for quite some time. If you're gearing up for a fight, I think you kind of slack it.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, he was looking He kind of really looks. He, he
1: looks bad. like he's been slack, and he don't look like he's been training for the fight.
0: And if you've ever seen him when he was fighting at two hundred five pounds, he looks like a totally—he looks like his own son. You know what I'm saying? He looks real thin and like gaunt. And
1: he yeah, he was in good shape yeah.
0: back then too, but he didn't carry the yeah. knockout power, and he wasn't as happy. So yeah,
1: and and what is the was the guy in like the the second or first fight? I think it was bantam weight. Um, is he Polish or Ukrainian? I couldn't tell that dude he's
0: russian i think he's Dagestani. okay so yeah places so Khabib.
1: russian ukrainian something like that he's, he's in that region right Yeah. so that fucking dude i thought for sure somebody's got to be hooking him up with something because Gosh, he had so Davali much
0: whatever his name was very yeah whatever whatever
1: his name is i don't i don't remember exactly what his name is right now but i was watching that fight and i was looking at his mannerisms and the way he was talking after the fight and i'm like they gotta be hooking him up with something that the league doesn't know about.
0: He looks like because steel, man. If you really look at him, he looks absolutely like shredded. That, he has that dude. That dude
1: looks like a forty-year-old fighter that's fighting like a twenty-year-old guy. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird. It's real weird. I I liked the fight. It was a great fight. I'm just saying. It seems to me like he was getting hooked up with something. Well, like John that, Dodson that he, is.
0: John Dodson is a great fighter. He's knocked out T.J. Dillashaw before, and T.J. Dillashaw is one of the best fighters on the planet. So John Dodson's Mm -hmm. nobody's bitch. You know, he's a very good
1: fighter. He's very slippery, man. He gets out of the toughest situations. That's exactly what we saw last night. Yeah. And, you know, that was why it was really hard to get him down. Do you remember when, like, Dodson was literally climbing over his shoulders, and the guy tried to almost pile drive him into the octagon, and it didn't work.
0: Well, see. Dawson got right out of it. Well, see, that's the thing about MMA that I enjoy is that there's so many aspects to it, and it doesn't matter if you're the very best at one thing, there's going to be a lot of situations where somebody else can counter it and be better than you. So nobody and, is the and, best. And also,
1: cor- correct me if I'm wrong, he yeah. was significantly shorter than his opponent, right? Uh, John Dodson was shorter, I think,
0: because John Dodson used to fight at 125, and that fight was or the, was at uh, 135, so John True. Dodson's a tiny guy, he's a tiny fella, there's uh, funny videos of him, you walk in, and there's some UFC vlog cameraman guy, and he's like, oh, how you doing, John, and he's got pajamas on, and he looks like somebody's kid sitting there on top of a <laughs> fucking playing a Game Boy or something, Like he looks very young, for sure.
1: Yeah, I just noticed when I was I was watching them both fight, and I'm like, this guy seems like he's towering over the other guy, and I think Joe Rogan had mentioned like, you know, his. Height might have actually played a key role into why he's such a good fighter because he's able to duck and dive and get down in between, kind of like what Mike Tyson was when he was boxing because he was always shorter than all the other knockout kings.
0: Well, that's how DC is in heavyweight. DC is much shorter, man, than Stipe. He's like five inches shorter, dude.
1: I noticed DC likes getting real close and ducking his head down in defensive motion, and then he comes up with a big jab to the left or right side of your jaw, and that guy did not, Stipe did not see it coming.
0: You know why? St- well, I mean, he just has to know what his strengths are, and that's what MMA is good at. When you see somebody try to but, do something that they're not particularly skilled you know, at, they end up paying for it. Paying for it. The funny
1: thing about the funny thing about Stipe though is like, it was almost like DC's shots weren't really affecting him all that much. DC was putting a lot of shots down in that guy's jaw, and, you know, real close, and for some reason, this guy just shook it off. Well, you know, you and that spells danger for DC.
0: If somebody sees the punch coming, it probably won't knock them out. It's the ones that you don't see coming that knock you out.
1: Well, I, I, it was really chill. hard for me to see DC's punches coming because he'd get down and ducked in that, like, almost, I say, pseudo fetal position. Yeah. Like, he had his head ducked down, like, he was opening himself up to be vulnerable, but then as soon as he ducked his head down, he would come up with a big shot. And well, I was like, also, wow, that's. Uh...
0: He would also it's pretty dra- fast. He would also, uh, it's called a single collar tie. He would drape his arm over Stipe's shoulder. And whenever he would do that, it would drag Stipe closer to him. And as Stipe would pull away, he would try to throw the big punch, that big overhand punch. And that's how he won the first fight, knocking Stipe out. So he was trying to go for that all night. But he did hit Stipe with it a couple times. But Stipe saw it as it was coming in, which is why it didn't finish Stipe. It hurt. Don't get me wrong, it hurt. But it wasn't going to yeah. finish him. So.
1: No, but all in all you know i i like i said i caught the pay-per-view later i i ended up watching about three in the morning skimming through all the fights just getting through all the interviews and everything like that great card great card i really enjoyed That's it pretty much all i have to say about it i was not disappointed like you know the wh- wh- what's his name Derek lewis is that the guy's name that we watched uh, the, the ufc the other before? time
0: yeah Derek lewis yeah. versus ellenic
1: that was a good fight but there was not a lot of good fights in that card no there's a lot of or the week before
0: and that's just the problem with people getting better is people are starting to get safe and some people who aren't very new haven't gotten the skills to be exciting yet so it's i mean it's a new sport we've had the same
1: we've had the same conversation about gsp in the past gsp played very safe and a lot of gsp fights are boring But, you know, if you enjoy the the technical aspect, but if you enjoy the technical aspect of E.O.C. and you, you you know, you like an artist and you understand that he's the best at what he does, then you should be able to appreciate, you know, his, his method. Just in the same way of like music, I don't necessarily like Kanye West that much, but I do see the artist and I see the genius in someone like Kanye West and I go, yeah, maybe it's not my kind of music. I like some of the songs. I don't like all of them. Most of them are not even in my demographics, per se. Well, I
0: always, but I
1: still recognize a good artist when I see one. And that that's what I would see out of people like GSP.
0: Well, I always give props to anybody, even if I don't like them. You know, not just in fighting, in the real world, too. Like, mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the things that sort of, like, made me immune to having TDS was that... <laughs> You can say whatever you want about any person, but if I can look at it objectively and be like, oh, that doesn't seem right," you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll, I'll see well, somebody who's competent that... and skilled, and if somebody tells me, "No, they're dumb and, and dumb and foolish," I'm like, "No, obviously that's not the case." So, like, it's come funny up with that a better you put it that way.
1: It's funny that you put it that way because when when like I just mentioned Kanye West, I was just having this conversation with somebody else earlier today. About when kanye west did his uh, one of his first political meets whatever you want to call it he had that breakdown about abortion and his child and sad. some very personal some very personal things that he probably was in his best interest not to share but you know what the entire room did they laughed and they said oh kanye what a crazy person and yes we can probably both sit here and agree that kanye west is crazy he'll probably tell you he's crazy well. he takes medication nobody that was his
0: issues nobody that was but, there live with him was laughing at him everybody that was there with I him i think i remember was, some
1: people laughing maybe no, i have to watch it everybody game, that but. was
0: there they were crying and weeping with him and it was it was a very spiritual thing cuz he's a spiritual leader scott adams always says he, it's true he is
1: now, i showed my dad the uh, you know Kanye West song Jesus walks Mm-hmm. and I, I explained to my dad like the, the significance behind that song and the and my dad the first question my dad asked me was what chart was that on and i'm not exactly sure what chart that was on because it could have been r&b could have been rap it could have been gospel Christian, it could have been pop yeah, yeah, it could have been all those different charts and i i told him it dominated the charts for a long time i remember hearing that song incessantly around the time that it came out although i did play it for my dad and he played about 30 seconds of so it he's like this sounds awful to me Which I'm like, okay. You know, he's not he's not into any kind of uh, rap music or anything, I understand. But then I showed him a video of like Kanye West and someone broke down all of his albums from twenty ten on and explained like the artistry behind it and then my dad was like, Okay, yeah, I get it. Like I might not I might not like the you know, the music, but I do understand the meticulous thought put behind it and he does have he's definitely successful man. It's just not in some people's wheelhouse. Yeah. But, and and back to what I was saying with the whole, with him opening up in this political thing. There were so many people dogging him and laughing at him in, you know, the media. And I'm going, so what? This guy, he might be a little unhinged sometimes. He brings up a serious issue that's personal to a lot of different groups of people. And you just want to cast him off as some crazy guy? When he, when I watched that video, I felt sympathetic.
0: Everyone felt, is you know, unhinged sometimes. Yeah, I guarantee you look at every person in Congress, every person in the Senate, any person in government, any person across the world. They're all having their own problems. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's got something going on.
1: I understand that. And what I'm saying is I, when I watched that video, I didn't laugh and go look at the crazy guy. I, went, I listened to what he said, and I said, it that makes sucks, sense to yeah. me. It, well, it's not something that I – like what he said was not something I haven't already said to other people. I've talked about that same exact issue. I have been fortunate enough not to have, you know, that personally happen in my life. Mm-hmm. But what what he was talking about made perfect sense to me. And it, I couldn't believe that people were laughing at him for something that was bothering him. And he wanted people to know so they could safeguard themselves.
0: We'll see for a lot of people on the left, abortion is political for pretty much everybody on the right, it's religious. So, it's like they're using two different sets of standards to try to talk about an issue, so it's never going to work out. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I don't like the left-right cross-talk bullshit, whether you talk about whether one side's religious, one side isn't. I don't well, prescribe any of that. Well, I that, know a lot that, of
0: people on the right that are pro-abortion, and I know a lot of people on the left that, you know, decide oh no, I think that people shouldn't have abortion, they're pro-life. So, I mean... It's not that simple, but it all gets into tribalistic stereotypes when it comes to mm-hmm. communicating online. Because you say, okay, what is this person saying? And you pick out a few things they're saying, and you say, okay, this person must be—they're a Trump tard, or they're a—they're—they're a, they're, they're a Lib tard, or whatever people and, and want to call each other. And on, then now you're the other, in this on, group.
1: On the other side, you can sit there and say anyone who disagrees with Trump has TDS. It's a yeah. very easy term to throw around. And I disagree you know.
0: with them all the time. I think that there's a lot of things that. I would have him do differently, but I'm I'm not gonna like let it mess with my head. It's just like he's a public servant. It's the same way I'm not gonna get mad at the mailman for being like an hour late. You know, whatever it, he could have been there sooner. It doesn't matter. Well, you know, just... I,
1: I did I did see a post on Reddit the other day that actually kind of resonated with me, and it had to do with voting. And I think it I don't know if it was a Twitter post or a Facebook post, but it was it was on Reddit, and it said something like. Go out and vote. Don't. I'm paraphrasing here. Obviously, I don't, remember, I don't have it pulled up. I don't know what it said. Yeah. But it said, "Go out and vote. Don't like think. Oh well, I'm waiting for the one, like the savior of the country, and that's when I'm gonna vote because this is my guy. It's like, go out and vote because this person might influence your life in the way you want them to influence. They're only there for 48 years.
0: Yeah.
1: Presidents come and go. You, you know, it's you're not that you're gonna have this." Deal. You're you're gonna have this battle many times in your life as long as you're lucky enough to be around.
0: Like you know, as much as like I get caught up in the game of thinking, oh, this, who if this person gets elected, it could be very very bad. Or this is an existential crisis. As much as I like can get caught up in that game, I have to bring myself out of it and realize, even if my guy doesn't get elected, if their guy doesn't get elected, it'll it'll be fine. You know, and that's one of the things I disagree with Tim Poole about is he thinks that a civil war is imminent? No, I don't think so. I think once the election has been cast, nobody's going to well, have any energy to do anything anymore. They're going to want the, back to their of, life.
1: One of the other things that I was talking to a friend of mine just about the other day because he's not very versed in politics. He he follows some of it, but he doesn't digest the news every day like I do. Like, he, he has a really difficult job. He's out there trying to work, and when he's done working, he's not trying to suck up all this politics, you know. Yeah. And he was asking me, like, you know, what 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 is the next step? And I said, one of the things people have to understand is that, all right, I'm 28 right now, and you're what, 30 years old? All right, I'm 28, you're 30. If I was to talk to someone who was double my age right now on the same day that I was born, they would be my age. You know, you go back 28 years, they would be 28. You go talk to somebody who's double my age, and they'll go, what, you think Trump's a problem? You think Biden's a problem? You think... You know, Obama might have been a problem. Who knows what they're gonna say? But they're gonna. We've been through this. We've been through many George times. W. Bush.
0: We've been through Obama. Yeah, you know, yeah, that, we've that's what I've had presidents that, recently. Well, I'm just saying. What
1: I'm what what I was gonna mention though is th- there's people like um, one of our friends' dads. He's fifty years old. He's been through George Senior. He's been through Reagan. He's been through a bunch of presidents that were not even in our purview because we weren't even alive yet. You
0: don't know much about them, like. Have you ever heard of Dinesh D'Souza? He's a political. I've speaker? I'm,
1: I've I've heard the name. I'm pretty sure I've heard something. He's kind of like her, a, yeah. you
0: know, the role that in, uh, Ben Shapiro plays. Like, he sort of like, he just showed them in the college auditorium. Yeah. Type of videos. Well, he's the Indian version. Ripped him version. up with facts. Yeah. And he, whatever, destroyed yeah. by facts and truth. Yeah. He's like that version, but he's an Indian guy and. He had actually been arrested for political stuff in the Obama administration, and um, Trump had pardoned him because they said that he gave too much money to a political campaign, which I guess Mm -hmm. is technically against the law. But they put him in federal prison, and Trump pardoned him, and he just recently got out. And I just realized he was part of like, I think the Reagan administration. Yeah, he was one. He was part of the Reagan administration, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. damn, Obama put an ex-Reagan administration official in prison. And Trump had to get him out. You see what I'm saying? Like I, I see how, like, I don't see all of, besides just all the hyperbole, Trump's the worst, you know, you know.
1: Well, I'll tell you, this, this is one of the things that I was bringing up with somebody earlier was I was saying, look, you, you got somebody like Biden who's running for president, and the most important thing he needs to do for his campaign right now, as it sits, I'm pretty sure Democrats and Republicans both agree, is his vice presidential pick. That is the most important thing to his campaign right now is who he's going to pick for vice president. Finally, it comes out that it's it's Kamal Harris. Yeah. I don't think anyone was really surprised by that. I think no. most people already kind of understood that was the pick for a long time. Everybody knew. I don't understand why there was such a, such a delay when everybody already knew that. But you've got on one side of the aisle, you've got Trump, who's apparently, you know, this horrible dictator, whatever you want to say about him if you're on the left he actually met and i bring up Kanye West again he he met with Kanye West he met with Kim Kardashian they tried to get nonviolent drug offenders out of prison yep. and trump si- signed off on a lot of that stuff.
0: yeah prison reform then you, prison reform's then, been a big thing and nobody but
1: talks then you about look at it. the then you look at the other side of the aisle and the vice presidential pick that's really important is wrote Kamal the crime Harris. bill
0: no the presidential pick wrote the crime bill
1: She's the one that puts nonviolent drug offenders in jail. Yes, and, and, she's and she keeps about them in jail it. so
0: she can exploit them as cheap labor well, for a dollar well, an hour to well, fight fires. Yeah, she in said because
1: apparently, like, if you were doing a ten-year like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think if you're doing like a ten-year prison sentence, yeah, if you do five years, you are eligible for the parole board to get out because. You've done majority of your, you've done half your sentence. Yeah. And she didn't like that because she wanted to keep those people in there. So she delayed that for the rest for of their sentence. an
0: hour.
1: Yeah, because it was harder to bring in new prisoners or whatever it was. Yeah. And that, that's my point. And, and I don't know if that makes sense to a lot of people. I don't know. But it's like, on one hand, you've got this guy who you say is fucking awful. Yeah. On the other hand, you have this other party you say is great and they're, they're going for us. But they're doing exactly the opposite of what you really want. That's true. You, they're, they're doing the opposite. Trump, bad guy, air quotes. You know, I, I got a, a Trump banner behind me. The secret's out. Anyway, but he's trying to take nonviolent drug offenders and take them out of prisons, out of jails, not jam people up for, you know, pot, which is pretty commonplace in America today. Yeah. I mean, that's obvious. And then you've got a a woman that sits there and brags about putting potheads in jail. And you you want her to run the country because it's not going to be Biden that runs the country. It's going to be Kamala Harris. That's why it's so important. Everyone knows this.
0: One of the most troubling aspects of uh, the things I've heard most recently was from Bill Barr. And Bill Barr was the attorney general before. This isn't his first... Mary go round as attorney general he was i think no was, he's been
1: attorney general for for a few different administrations yeah
0: so i think it was one of the bushes that he was well either either way he saw it before the obama administration and now he saw he's seen it after the obama administration and he says it is absolutely not the same department everything has changed everything's a mess so i mean it probably smells different yeah and
1: you know what I mean? Like, I'm being funny, but, like, you know trouble. how you walk into a room and it feels different? Like, that's probably mm-hmm. what he's getting at.
0: Yeah, like, I don't know. I just feel like there's a point in time where the government shouldn't change too fast. Because if it changes too fast, you know, like, think about it. If you're doing something in Photoshop or paint or something and you make too many well, things, it's hard to keep going back. You can only go back, like, 32 times or whatever. So, I mean, you lose
1: uh, stuff. Along with the Kamal Harris conversation I was having with a buddy of ours the other day, um, he asked me, like, why is it that we always, like, elect people and there's corrupt politicians everywhere? You don't know which way to duck and dive to avoid these people. And why is it that, you know, we try to do reform, but reform never comes or it becomes very lightly because it has to happen over many administrations? And I said, well, it, it came to me. Obviously, this is what I believe. I don't necessarily know if this is true. I could be wrong. But I think it has to do with the size of government. And if government was smaller, you would see smaller reforms make a bigger impact. If government is huge, then the reforms are going to seem minuscule. And you're going to have all these roadblocks in the way because there's so much bureaucratic red tape.
0: That's one of my main problems with a big government is, let's say little Jimmy falls down off of his bike, right? And he might have broke his ankle or something like that. What happens? Mom screams. All the neighbors come outside. Next thing you know, everybody's focusing on the situation. A fire truck pulls up. An ambulance pulls up. Since there's a bunch of people out there, a a police car comes up. You know what I'm saying? Depending on who's in the crowd, something could start with the police. I mean... It just is well, a big chain and still, effect. Little, little where, Timmy's
1: still laying there fucking hurt, not getting any help.
0: Yeah, when what she could have done is just say, oh, we'll get him some peas and throw him in the neighbor's car and take him to the hospital. I mean, that's how things should work. We should be able to take care of most of our own needs, and I just think the government can get too big. I don't disapprove of a lot of programs like to a certain extent, you know, unemployment, disability, I think that those are very important things.
1: But... No, I think they're very important too. I I have, I've survived some of my livelihood off those programs. I am not knocking those programs. But because, you know, because I have personal experience with those programs, I don't necessarily know if they're good. Yeah. Because they helped me in a jam, I don't necessarily know if that's good because it's not just about me, it's about the country as a whole.
0: Well, me personally, I'll give a little personal information. I've been on you know, disability since I was 20, something like that, 1920. And, you know, I had had enough to sort of have an apartment, live a very baseline life, very minuscule. And I just feel that once I got out of that that frame of mind and I started working because I got married and my disability disappeared. So once I started working, it made a whole lot of sense to me why people... Like to work and become productive members of society. It feels better. You have control of your own life, and I think that too many social programs will let people forget about that. And you can see it in welfare communities all the time. People don't want to work. People don't want to produce. People don't care. I mean, and
1: that's. Well, I, I one specifically sports stars
0: there anymore. You know?
1: I, I I know I know specifically there was a lot of people that got their twelve hundred dollar COVID check. And went out and they bought brand new computers with the best goddamn graphics card you can get on the market. Yep. And yeah, they had money to pay their bills or whatever, but like that money was supposed to go towards paying bills. And almost no one used it for paying their bills.
0: I mean, I used it for some bills, I used it for some other things, but in my opinion, yeah. I would have no. been fine without it.
1: So, I've, so I've did I. Me. No no, actually I would I, I don't know if I would have been fine without it. that. Twelve hundred dollars really helped me out. The entire twelve hundred dollars that I spent went right to fucking bills. I didn't use that for any frills or fun. Yeah. You know, there wasn't much to do. I'm not going out to the bar. There were no bars to even go to. But I know a lot of people that already were okay with their money, that still were able to apply for the program, that just went out and bought a new toy.
0: And I tell I tell my coworkers this all the time, like when somebody calls in sick, we're all sitting around like, this guy called in sick, what the hell's wrong with him? You know what I mean? And we'll sit there, and it's not like we're trying to be mean, but I'll always say the same thing. I'll say, I'd rather feel like shit and have money than feel like shit and be broke. And that's very true, and I think the country needs to take that concept and sort of apply it to our livelihood. Because, yes, the country might be sick right now, but we don't want to be sick and broke. And, and Also, I want to go back to one down. of
1: the... I want to go back to one of the points that I was talking about when like I talk about social programs being decent for helping people out in the moment, but necessarily not good for the country. Like, okay, say I get food stamps every month, which I don't. I have before, but I do not now. Say I got food stamps every month. Yes, it's helped me along the way. I'm sure it's probably a good thing for me. But what if it turns out everyone on food stamps bankrupting the country, so eventually all the money dries up? And then what are we supposed to do then?
0: Well, just think about it like beers in the fridge. There's only so many beers in the fridge for the party, right? Yeah. So if somebody only has so many beers in this fridge for your party, everybody probably kind of like, what, six, you know, depending on how many people are there. So if people start chugging way more beers than they should... Or if somebody's already drunk, he says, yeah, you know, leave some for the rest. I think that's how it's supposed to work rather than somebody just hogging all the beer and chugging like 15 to the face. You know, we know people like Mm -hmm. that. And just there's certain people out there that just want to take 15 government service beers to the face, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then I'm guessing these people don't want to strive to, you know have anything else, which is the problem, and and that will, in in turn, will bankrupt the country eventually. That money's got to come from somewhere, man. Yeah. And they say it comes from the taxpayer, but I'm telling you, Trump just printed $7 trillion to pay everybody 1200 bucks one time.
0: Well, we have a very fluid economy right now, which means that the demand and the supply aren't matched up, which technically means that there's going to be less impact from the printing money. But I went to McDonald's the other day, and everything is way more expensive, dude. Like, way more expensive. McDonald's is trying to take advantage of that, and it's because they're a big corporation that stretches into other states like California and New York, you know? you got to make well, this up is, for their this, losses.
1: This is why I entertain the ideas that Peter Schiff puts forward when he talks about minimum wage and things like that and how there shouldn't be a minimum wage. I'm not i I'm not certain on what he's saying. I don't necessarily know if I agree, but I do know one thing that if you have a minimum wage that's like eleven fifty. I don't know what it is in Florida. Do you know what the minimum wage is right now?
0: I think it's maybe I thought it was eight fifty.
1: Yeah, so I'm way off then. So okay, say they wanted to do the minimum wage to be fifteen dollars an hour to the entire nation. As soon as you give everybody $15 an hour, that'll be great for like a week. And then McDonald's will raise their prices according to how much money everyone has. Mm-hmm. Inflation. So that $2 cheeseburger or that $1 cheeseburger just became a $4 cheeseburger because everyone just got that, just that much more richer.
0: And that's you why see, we it, need the it, Burger Kings, because what Burger King would do in that situation is keep the prices the same. Now they pick up all that position or the, all that business and take the t- lead market position because well, their prices are more. That's
1: technically viable. how it's going. That, that's technically how it should work. But I guarantee you, Burger King would raise their prices as well.
0: Yeah, and it's sad that the economy doesn't necessarily.
1: Well, what you're pretty much describing is free market capitalism. Yeah. But what we, you know, the age old trope is we don't have free market capitalism. We have crony capitalism. We have people in government that are willing to raise the minimum wage for the betterment of all the populace, but then everything just gets to be more expensive. So it's almost like you didn't really do anything except shuffle some numbers around.
0: Yeah, it's almost like. I feel with digital money, somebody could just add a couple of zeros into a database and nobody would be the wiser. People say that they would know. Oh, we would know. But I know how computers work. I've been an an admin of a game. You can just add things, you know, and especially with digital currency, you can just add things. It's not blockchain or anything like that. So I think the economy is an illusion of how well the world is feeling about itself, if that makes any sense.
1: I mean, I think it comes back to uh, some type of, and this might be far off in my, my thought process here, but I think it comes back to getting the hell out of cities, getting back to your roots, carrying by your family, not being so cooped up in apartment buildings, not being too connected to city life. Like my buddy, we just went down to the city of Tampa last night, and as we were walking along, you know, the, the boardwalk or whatever you want to call it, he said, "Like man, I could live out here." And I'm saying, "Man, I could, I I could visit here. Yeah. I don't want to live
0: here." My, my sister used like, to live in the part of town you're talking about, and it is, it's novelty for a little bit until when it's not novelty, and when it's not and novelty, then just, it sucks.
1: Then you just feel gritty or whatever you want to call it. You just you know it's not where you're supposed to be. Joe Rogan's talked about this on his podcast a lot. Oh, sorry, a lot about you know maybe we shouldn't all be cooped up in the same situation and you go back to thinking about like tribalism with you know the the basics of humanity the way we've evolved mm-hmm. you know i don't think we're all supposed to be stuffed in some tin can with a bunch of fumes coming around all these diesel trucks and you know mm-hmm. it's like when you go over to like you ever been like the bahamas or mexico yeah. any place it's like awful. that Dude, when you get off the boat, that's all you smell is the, 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 the nasty diesel fumes and everybody's packed in like a ca- old sardine.
0: cars from like the 60s. That, well, at the time uh, I was there, there was old cars everywhere.
1: And it, it's entertaining yeah. if you're only visiting. That's my point. I think it's a lot of times we need we, we to start breaking down the cities. Everybody needs... Cause, and I hate to bring this person up, but Alex Jones mentioned this on his show the other day. And yes, sometimes I do listen to Mr. Alex Jones. He said... You know, if you take the main roads, you're going to see a lot of cities, you're going to see a lot of what you consider overpopulation. Mm-hmm. You take the side roads though, you can drive for 40 miles and not see a damn house.
0: I think that there's
1: pl- there's plenty of space out there. We're just not utilizing it correctly.
0: I think the final thing I wanted to bring up was that uh now that you bring up Alex Jones is that <clears throat> sometimes what the media are You know, influential people will try to do to try to discredit somebody or something or some set of ideas. They'll take all of the legitimate ideas, and they'll throw in one crazy thing. You see what I'm saying? So, like, let's say there's a 20 question test. 19 of them make sense. One of them's crazy. That's that's a 95 in my book. That's an A plus. But the media looks at it as, oh well, they said one crazy thing. So it's a zero. And I don't look at it that way. Does that make sense? And that's how people discredit well, Alex Jones.
1: On the other side of things, like when Ron Paul was a congressman, mm-hmm. he always rallied against pork barrel spending. And what pork barrel really means is when you take a bill and you try to pass it through Congress that say about like clean energy, mm-hmm. and then you add in, like, oh, I'm going to give everybody $1,000. And he's like, Wait, this was supposed to be about clean energy. You weren't supposed to give anyone any money. That was—that wasn't the point of this. So he votes no. So he, so he votes no on the bill, and then when he's running for president, they say, "Ron Paul, are you even? Are you even electable, sir?" That's the real question we want to ask. And they laugh at in his face, and he says, "Yes. I don't know why my voting record has anything to do with me being electable or not." I voted in the interest of the American people, and if you have a a bill that comes across my desk that has stuff in it that has nothing to do with the topic at hand, I'm voting no.
0: Yeah. And he would vote no on all of these stimulus bills, too, because they have, like, funds for the arts. They have...
1: Well, yeah, because a lot of times they'll be like, okay, $1,200 for stimulus checks, but also we're going to fucking make sure we keep the old movie theater open that costs millions of dollars to renovate. Like we want to renovate the new movie theater, whatever it was, or like the, you know, all these different government properties, you know, these college campuses. Uh, I'm, I'm sure if you look at the bill, I don't know this for a fact, I haven't looked at the simulus bill, but... How much money might be going to colleges during this time? Because college is closed. That's true. College is completely shut down. So they have to be getting some kind of bailout through these stimulus checks, right?
0: And all these professors are on tenure, so they can't lay any people off They're top paid employees. They can't lay any of them off. They can't tell them, They can't reassign them. Nothing can happen like that. So, I mean, they're just shoveling money into these institutions, which I think are antiquated coming with the Internet, especially like. I don't know. I just feel like I've learned far more on the internet than I ever did at school. And
1: also, what you were talking about earlier, when you said that you had been on government assistance for almost 10 years of your life, I've known a lot of people, myself included, that have taken government assistance. Some of those people that have taken government assistance like you have, now have really good paying jobs and making way more money than they did under government assistance. And they are happier. They're moving on with their life. They're trying to have a home. They're trying to start a family. You know, that's a big deal around our age. So starting a family. I think we you can't start out that, a family on government. You know, government subsidies.
0: Well, I think that we figured out that government assistance can be good for helping you get your shit together, but I don't think it's necessarily good to just as a lifeline forever if that makes
1: sense. Yeah, no, like UBI would be an awful scenario yeah, be. because so people would just people They'd would just complain $1,000 having... a month. Yeah. And and going back to my minimum wage thing, you know, if they raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, I imagine the prices are going to go up. If everyone got UBI and all of a sudden everybody had 2 grand a month, no questions asked, wouldn't prices go up because of that?
0: Yeah, would.
1: wouldn't your $5 pack of soda go to a $10 pack of soda because everybody's got money to pay for it
0: well that's post world war one Germany like the loaf of bread would cost like two billion francs at
1: one point it was a wheelbarrow
0: yeah was as much money as you can fit
1: I don't like bringing up the world war two thing because I feel like that's kind of a cop-out when you're talking about political scenarios but I, I do understand what you're talking about. Hyperinflation is what you mean. And hyperinflation oh, yeah. has been a really big problem for a long time. It's that and way in Venezuela,
0: it, I think, right now. there's a bunch I, I bring up Ron
1: Paul again, man, because I used to be a really big Ron Paul guy. He asked Ben Bernanke at one point, he said, what would make you change your mind? Who is to the, say, oh my God, maybe the economists are wrong.
0: Who is the small fellow who is running against uh, Clinton and... Dole, small fellow that
1: was running was against Ross Clinton Perot. Dole. Ross yeah, it was probably Ross Perot. Yeah, Ross he got Perot. intimidated out of leaving the election. Yeah, yeah, Ross Perot was like. Ross Perot was one, kind of the Ron Paul before Ron Paul.
0: Yeah, he bought a like he used his massive fortune to buy primetime TV to explain all these charts about how the Fed works and, like he he, he, revealed that the Fed Federal Reserve is a misnomer. The name doesn't make any sense. Yeah, of at all. course. That's
1: a, that's one of the oldest memes in the fucking book. Federal Reserve is about as federal as Federal Express.
0: Yeah, and there's no reserve. You know, they just move money around. No, it's fractional reserve, yeah. man. So there's
1: it's fractional it's fractional reserve banking, which means they don't have your money in that bank. And it's if you privately try to go get owned, your money,
0: it ain't gonna be there. And it's privately owned and privately chaired. So it's yeah, race. and
1: it's backed by it's backed by organizations like the IMF, the International Inter- Inter- International Monetary Fund.
0: So you can't just you name know? something something and say, well, "Oh, this is what they're about." Like Antifa is the same way. You can't just say, "Oh, we're anti-fascist," and then employ fascist tactics. That doesn't work. They they
1: name it that on purpose to fool people. Yeah, it's literally psychological fooling to to mess with people's heads. Well, if it's federal, then it has to do with government, right? It's got to be government owned because it's it's federal in the name. That, why do you think a lot of banks name their you know bank like Federal First Bank or
0: it's for whatever? trust. Be,
1: because it gives that statue, you know, that stature of like we are the ones that you need.
0: Yeah, I just think but that anyway. there's there's a lot of illusions in this world. There's a lot of things that we're just told to believe, and I, I just think that when we've we sit down and we can think about things and pick it apart and see if it makes sense somewhere else. You know, Then we can actually tell if well, it's a good idea.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of different good ideas we can have out there. And by the way, I want to let people know this is not going to be that much of a political podcast. We might go off on political tangents occasionally, but we want to keep it open as free discussion for anything we're talking about. And with that said... I'd like to give you the floor, Mikey. Is there anything you'd like to say in closing arguments?
0: Uh, not much. All I'd like to say is that, you know, I'm enjoying putting my voice out there. You know, I always know that Thomas Jefferson had memoirs and stuff like that where people could go back and read, Oh, this is what James Madison was thinking about this. And I just think it's important for people in the future, whether there's some deep learning AI that'll absorb all this or just humans that are interested in what the hell we were thinking about in the future, they could say, oh, let's take a look at this. So I think it's important to document and make things available for the world, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good sentiment to leave off on, and I gotta say, you know, uh, I think we've touched base on a lot of cool concepts that we're probably going to talk about in the future, but as I can say right now, I'm going to sign off. My name is Mike.
0: And I'm Mike. Have a good one.
1: And this is the Mike to Mike podcast.
0: See ya.